Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Thank you for listening this Wednesday, April 14th, 2021. Topics on today's episode include the Mortgage Bankers Association's latest performance report, my interview with Brandon Dukes on the cyclicality of the mortgage industry, and some inflation finally showing up in the economic data. I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, FBX, an Informa financial intelligence business. FBX delivers a comprehensive mortgage origination and pricing intelligence benchmarking platform that allows mortgage lenders to understand their competitive price position and lending performance metrics. With 41 out of the top 50 lenders relying on FBX solutions today, how can you better benchmark your lending success? I wear a stethoscope so that in a medical emergency, I can teach people a valuable lesson about assumptions. People in the mortgage industry shouldn't assume that all lenders are the same. Jim Cameron from the Stratmore Group has noticed a difference between depository banks and independent mortgage banks. Namely, banks are not only a wash in cash, which will help them with HELOCs and other portfolio products, but appear to have larger pipelines heading into this slowdown in volume and margins. Independent mortgage banks' mindsets are on cutting overtime and watching expenses. One CEO even told us about a small reduction in force for his company in the coming weeks. Even though the pandemic is still in the headlines, 2020 performance, which may turn out to be arguably the best year ever for residential lenders, is in the rearview mirror. The NBA tells us that a survey showed profits of $4,200 per loan. More on that in a minute. Speaking of performance, stay tuned for my interview with Brandon Dukes on how lenders are preparing for this less savory side of the market cycle. And for the latest on jobs, transitions, and promotions, lender and broker products, and some valuable tools to lower risk, go to robchrisman.com. The Mortgage Bankers Association's annual Mortgage Bankers Performance Report informed our industry that independent mortgage banks and mortgage subsidiaries of chartered banks made an average profit of $4,202 on each loan they originated in 2020, up from $1,470 per loan in 2019. Marina Walsh, the Mortgage Bankers Association's Vice President of Industry Analysis, observed, A surge in housing and mortgage demand, record low mortgage rates, and widening credit spreads translated into soaring net production profits that reached their highest levels since the inception of Mortgage Bankers Association's annual report in 2008. The driver of production profitability in 2020 was production revenue, led by strong secondary marketing gains. Historically, production expenses drop when volume increases, but per loan production expenses went up in 2020 as companies offered signing bonuses, incentives, overtime, and other compensation to address capacity constraints and meet mortgage demand. Furthermore, Rising loan balances meant hefty sales commissions, often earned based on a percentage of the loan amount. On the servicing side of the business, heavy prepayments combined with elevated default and forbearance activity contributed to a loss of servicing income. Valuation markdowns on mortgage servicing rights and servicing amortization resulted in heavy hits to the overall servicing bottom line, especially for those servicers that did not hedge their MSRs. In early 2021, we are already seeing declines in pipeline volume particularly refinance volume, as mortgage rates have risen in the first quarter. Also, secondary marketing income has dropped from last year's highs, as credit spreads have tightened. Mortgage companies that can adjust quickly to changing market conditions and are able to harness still robust purchase demand are best poised for a successful 2021. For today's interview, I wanted to bring on Brandon Dukes, Vice President, Mortgage Solutions at FBX Solutions in form of financial intelligence. Well, thank you for taking the time to come on the Crispin Commentary Daily Mortgage Podcast. How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm on the side of a road in, in uh, North Carolina. 
Uh, I am on the uh, in a parking lot, <laughs> so I think we both have cars screaming by us. Your audio quality sounds pretty good. Let's jump into it then. So we want to talk about margins in the mortgage industry. To level set, how are margin levels entering 2020? Uh, margin levels in uh, the beginning of 2020 had come down to close to historical norms. We had seen an expectation that rates were going to be going up. So the refinance market was shrinking and higher rates headed our way. Uh, when that happens, lenders typically begin to compress margins as competition tightens. And as the pandemic disrupted markets, I guess it was just over a year ago now, what did mortgage companies do as rates began to fall? The rates shot downward and margins headed in the opposite direction. Uh, lenders took advantage of what were and uh, became record low rates. Uh, we saw it immediately uh, in our business. Uh, when we look at the benchmarking and what we, the information that we gather and looking at the volumes in the industry, uh, we went through a few weeks there right after uh, the pandemic didn't immediately take hold, but within, within a month of that, six weeks of that, uh, we saw the highest volume weeks that we had ever seen in the industry. And in doing so, uh, rates, again, uh, drove that and uh, lenders took advantage of that and increased their margins. Lenders could barely handle the increase in, uh, in volume in calls. So what they did is they, they did increase the margins, but they actually started to slow their delivery. Uh, so instead of locking a loan for 45 days, they were locking for 60 days. And then you had lenders uh, pushing it out to 75, some to 90. Uh, there were even really uh, major players uh, that were at 120-day locks for refis. Uh, so all of this slowed the result for the end consumer. Uh, they couldn't get their refis fast enough. Lenders uh, you know, kept their locks. Uh, they extended locks as necessary at no cost to the borrower in most cases, unless it was uh, you know, the, the impact of that extension was a direct result of the borrower. But uh, so they kept the locks and you got the low rate that you were expecting. What has FBX seen amongst its lender clients as rates have increased? You know, the competition usually tightens as rates increase. Uh, and what I mean by that is there's typically a spread between the 10th uh, positioned player and the 20th position player or the first position player uh, that widens as uh, banks use different methodologies to control for capacity. Uh, some send out less mailers, some send out less email uh, notifications about, hey, call us. Uh, some people simply raise their price. Uh, so what's happening is as we get more competitive and, and the refinance volume continues to uh, shrink, then uh, competitors tend to get closer to each other as they look to bring in as much volume as possible. A lot of lenders added a lot of capacity this year. There were uh, you know, stories of people paying six-figure bonuses for processors uh, just to get them in the door. Uh, I doubt they want to let those processors go now. Uh, they want to keep that capacity as full as possible. And so they're going to continue to tighten margins. That doesn't necessarily help the end consumer from a rate perspective because rates are simply going up. Uh, but it does make the competition a little tighter. So we've seen these price wars already kind of start and hopefully companies stashed away a lot of cash for this rainy day that we knew was coming, even if it's not a full-fledged storm yet. Where do we go from here? Ultimately, the cyclicality of the mortgage business takes hold. Uh, you know, rates go up, rates go down. Uh, we have a really, really, really strong purchase market. I think a lot of the capacity uh, in the space that was added for refinances because purchases were impacted 
by that same capacity constraint. Uh, when you're so full, uh, you don't have that overflow capability. Uh, when when loans come in for purchase and, and the turn times uh, for appraisers uh, continue to struggle. But uh, as it lightens up a bit on the volume side for refinances, I think purchase money loans uh, come down uh, as those had crept up as well from a you know 30, and then people were doing 45 day locks for, for purchase money loans. I think that that market becomes uh, a little bit more available uh, to get things done quicker. And so hopefully we'll see turn times on purchases uh, continue to drop as, uh, as that market uh, and availability of capacity opens up. No truer words were ever spoken in the mortgage industry than rates go up and rates go down. <laughs> rates, rates go up, volume goes down. I've had to say it so many different times to different uh, executives. We have the uh, honor of uh, being able to speak with our clients pretty frankly about what they see in, in the mortgage industry. And uh, there is a lot of times where uh, they're scratching their head about why uh, why volume went down, even though their competitive position uh, improved. And it's simply that rates went up. And when that happens, volume goes down for everybody. And as I said, it's it's funny that uh, some of these companies, they get they get so punch drunk almost where it's times are good, get, get it while the getting's good. And you don't think about having the foresight of, hey, we're in a very cyclical industry here. What's going to happen next? So the, the market intelligence provided by FBX Solutions allows companies to monitor their competitive position and share. What are some other examples of how that information can be used? I know this year brought about a couple major uh, regulatory uh, impacts uh, that happened with uh, uh, the agencies coming down and, and applying the adverse market fee, for instance, uh, that was applied to all refinance loans. Uh, at first, when it came out, it was applied basically almost immediately. And so everybody in the industry was uh, looking to figure out uh, how much people moved, what their new competitive position was. Uh, did they take it all in-house? Did they push, uh, how much did they push through to the borrower? Uh, then they changed the game. They said, you know what, it's going to be for deliveries later. Okay, so now everybody's trying to figure out, all right, let's remove the hit, the adverse market hit. And then when are we going to put it in? You know, well, wait a second. When are our competitors putting it in? And so it became a game of when do you think you can, how quickly do you think you can turn the loans to deliver them in time and not take the hit? And that's when you're going to be looking at that cutoff date to put in your uh, adverse market fee that will impact your borrowers. And so they were using our data, uh, our daily rate information uh, to figure out when those adverse market fees were being applied. In addition to the adverse market fee, the other, the other big news recently has been the, the non-owner second home restrictions on volume. Can you provide a little color about uh, what FBX is seeing with that and, and how you advise clients on it? In addition to our, our daily rate uh, analytics, uh, we also uh, collect origination information from our clients, uh, origination information on locks, fundings, applications on a weekly basis uh, to give them as near real-time intelligence as they can get. Uh, so when the limits came out and they said, all right, 7% uh, restrictions on volume being delivered, uh, people were able to look at the industry and see uh, where it was, uh, see where they were comparatively, and try to figure out uh, how much available they had to do that. Uh, what we were seeing, combining that with uh, the rate information was that uh, lenders started to 
really back off the non-owner uh, pricing and uh, made the hits even more uh, than they needed to be uh, on the non-owner to slow that volume down, uh, leaving the availability of that 7% delivery for their own customers that want to get a second home. And so uh, at least on the depository side, uh, that was a, a very clear indication looking at our data that uh, they were trying to protect their current customers uh, that had, you know, uh, their primary residence with that lender, uh, protect that availability of allowing them to be able to get a second home and kind of cutting off uh, the financing on non-owner, not completely, but uh, it, it was much more punitive than it had been before. Hopefully lenders can uh, capitalize on this strong purchase market before rates get too high and that, that cripples home affordability a little bit. Uh, Absolutely. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on and talk to me and uh, hopefully we'll have you back sometime soon. I appreciate it, Robbie. As economist Elliot Eisenberg points out, stay alert, but don't panic when the consumer price index starts to jump. Bottlenecks and pent-up demand are short-run phenomena. U.S. consumer prices jumped in March by the most in almost nine years, with higher prices in almost all categories. On a year-over-year basis, the total inflation rate was up 2.6% as the end of lockdowns triggered a rebound in travel and commuting. Core inflation is still sitting below a 2.0% annual rate, however, which caused investors to speculate that the acceleration in consumer prices was not fast enough to slow the effect of massive pandemic bailouts or warrant any imminent policy changes by the Fed. The desk of the New York Fed, responsible for carrying out the Fed's open market policy, released a new two-week purchase schedule yesterday, along with the mid-April to mid-May purchase estimate of $131.5 billion, consisting of paydowns of $91.5 billion in the Fed's portfolio, in addition to the $40 billion monthly SOMA increase. The new schedule, which covers the April 14th to 27th period, totals $59.8 billion maximum, and includes more three operation days than the prior schedule, but no changes in coupons. Today's schedule sees two operations totaling up to $5.33 billion across 30-year 2% and 2.5%. Today's economic calendar is already underway. Mortgage applications decreased 3.7% from one week earlier, according to data from the Mortgage Bankers Association's weekly mortgage application survey for the week ending April 9th. During the reporting period, treasury yields fell, and mortgage rates did as well. 30-year rates are currently at 38 to 3.25%. We've also had March import-export prices, up 1.2% and 2.1% respectively. The rest of the day revolves around the Fed, with five Fed speakers scheduled, including Chair Powell. We begin the day with agency MBS prices worse down a few ticks, and the 10-year yielding 1.63% after closing yesterday at 1.62%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. A waiter brings a customer the steak he ordered with his thumb over the meat. Are you crazy? yells the customer. What's with your hand on my steak? Sorry, answers the waiter. I don't want it to fall on the floor again. <laughs> Thanks again to our sponsor, FBX. FBX provides real-time mortgage peer benchmarking that enables lender rate comparisons to access overall competitive positioning to positively impact share, margin, risk, and operational execution. With access to weekly loan origination data, representing over 50% of the mortgage market's applications, rate locks, and funding, FBX provides mortgage lenders real-time loan origination performance relative to the market. 
If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.